Welcome to the fourth and final Monday of the month, and another long installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement, intended to get you caught up on some more of what's happened in the days before and what's coming up in the days after April 26th, 21. Today, I'm your host, Sean Tubbs, here again to do the contextualizing and arranging of sound bites. On today's show, the Albemarle Board of Supervisors gets an update on the court's expansion and renovation. The Moton Museum in Farmville commemorates 70 years since an important walkout. There's a new version of a planned multifamily development planned near Forest Lakes. And there are three upcoming candidate forums for the Democratic City Council race. In today's Patreon field shout-out from an anonymous supporter... It may seem like we just had an election, but 2021 is once again a city, county, and state election year. Party primaries are coming soon on June 8, 2021. The deadline to register to vote or update an existing registration is Monday, May 17, 2021. Visit the Virginia Department of Elections to learn more at elections.virginia.gov. On Friday, federal officials lifted the pause on the administration of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. An advisory panel recommended that additional information about the risk of blood clots be given to patients, and the Centers for Disease Control and the Food and Drug Administration quickly urged states to proceed. Virginia Vaccine Coordinator Danny Ovula issued a statement soon after, stating that the pause should give additional assurances about the safety of the vaccination process. As of this morning, 28.7% of Virginians are fully vaccinated, and just over 5.9 million doses have been administered. The Johnson & Johnson pause did not slow down the pace, as the seven-day average for administrated doses has remained in the mid-70,000s. The number of new cases continues to decline this week. For two days in a row, the number of new cases has been under 1,000. That's the first time that's happened since late October. The seven-day average is at 1,117 new cases today, and the percent positivity is down to 5.4%. There are still six weeks until the Democratic primary on June 8th, but early voting has begun across Virginia. As of yesterday, 631 mail-in ballots have been requested in Charlottesville, according to data contextualized by the Virginia Public Access Project. That figure in Albemarle is 2,276, 260 in Fluvanna, 153 in Green, 238 in Louisa, and 118 in Nelson. Gotta love the numbers. There are three remaining campaign forums for the three Democratic candidates for the two nominations on Charlottesville City Council. The Public Housing Association of Residents will hold an event on May 12th, followed by the Martha Jefferson Neighborhood Association on May 20th. I'll be holding an event with Neil Williamson of the Free Enterprise Forum on May 27th. The Fry Spring Neighborhood Association held their event on March 10th, and you can access the audio on Information Charlottesville. There was also an event on April 6th and the I Love Seville video platform. There's a link to those two in the newsletter. In March, residents of the Forest Lakes neighborhood dominated an Albemarle Planning Commission public hearing for a multifamily apartment complex planned for the intersection of U.S. 29 and Ashcroft Boulevard. 
Now, RST Development has filed a revised plan with the county that, among other things, reduces the number of units from 370 to 340. They'll get there by eliminating several townhomes, planting more green space, and adding more landscaping to serve as a buffer. The new proposed unit mix is 254 apartments and 86 townhouses. The proposed buildings and RST residences are carefully sited to mitigate any adverse visual impact to neighboring properties or public roads. The tallest proposed building is the five-story apartment building at the center of the project. This building would be 540 feet from the intersection of Route 29 and Ashwood Boulevard and over 320 feet from the property line with Ashland townhomes. The narrative states that 75% of the multifamily units will comply with affordability guidelines. There is not yet a date when the project is expected to return to the Planning Commission for another discussion of their rezoning application. A Farmville museum dedicated to that community's role in the long legal battle to desegregate America's public schools held a 10-hour live virtual event on Friday to commemorate an important event of Virginia history. Cynthia Hudson is on the board of trustees at the Moton Museum, which for 20 years has operated out of the R.R. Moton School, which was designated for black students by the public school system in the mid-20th century. 70 years ago, in 1951, students who stood right here on this stage stood up and walked out to protest overcrowding and other poor conditions in their high school. Although they didn't know it at the time, the course of an entire nation would shift as a result of their actions. The NAACP helped file a lawsuit against Prince Edward County, and the case became one of five that resulted in the Brown v. Board of Education case that ended legal segregation and the doctrine of separate but equal. For decades, the Moton Museum has made itself the home of this vital, ongoing conversation that is just as alive today as it was then. The walkout in 1951 was led by Barbara Johns, who will be the subject of the new statue that will represent Virginia in the U.S. Capitol. Here's Delegate Jayon Ward of Virginia's 92nd District with an update. We are now at the point where we are looking at hiring a sculptor uh, and uh, making sure that we follow all state procurement laws. And after the statue has been designed, then we also have to have approval of the sculptor and that's at three different stages of production by the uh, architect of the U.S. Capitol. Ward said she credited the work of Johns and her fellow students for leading the way to desegregated education. But that did not end a divided society. And I always referred to myself as a brown baby because it was a brown versus border education decision. Although I was born when the decision was made, I never went to an integrated school. Uh, and I should have gone my entire uh, school year, but I never went until my 12th grade year. Cameron Patterson is the executive director of the Moton Museum. What a powerful thing uh, it will be when Barbara John's statue takes its rightful place in the Statuary Hall collection. Um, I think it will speak loudly to those young students across the Commonwealth that they too can utilize their voice to help create change. The entire 10-hour Moton Live event is available for review on YouTube. Up next, a brief look at the Albemarle County Courts expansion and renovation.
You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement. Tomorrow night at 6 p.m., the Albemarle Charlottesville Historical Society will have another of their Unregulated Historical Meanderings series. This time around, Siri Russell of Albemarle County's Office of Equity and Inclusion joins Whitehall District Supervisor Ann Malik on the county's work to support the sharing of Albemarle County history to broaden the scope of our publicly told histories to be more inclusive of our complete community. The event begins at 6 p.m. Register on Zoom or watch on the Facebook Live page of the Albemarle Charlottesville Historical Society. The Albemarle County Board of Supervisors got the first verbal update in a couple years on the renovation and expansion of the courts complex in Court Square. In December 2018, the board agreed to proceed with a plan to work with the city of Charlottesville on a joint general district court. That ended a few years where the board entertained the idea of moving the courts to a new location outside of downtown Charlottesville. Trevor Henry is the assistant county executive. This is a $44 million plus investment by the county, uh, and we believe the largest capital investment the county has made in decades. The current fiscal year includes $5.3 million for the courts project, and the draft capital budget for next fiscal year includes just over $25 million. The rest of the funding would come in future years. The costs are based on projections of future caseloads. Supervisors got an update at their April 21st meeting with new information compiled by Fentress Inc., a firm hired to review the planning work done to date. Kurt Schlau is a senior consultant with Fentress Inc., a company that has no relation with the firm Fentress Architects, which is responsible for the design. Fentress Inc.'s job has been to review previous calculations about the need to accommodate future workloads of the court. We look at how much business each court uh, handles on an annual basis and and look at the trends, Uh, then the number of judgeships and staff that are required to manage that caseload and handle and process that caseload and interface with the, the public. Fentress Inc. was hired during the pandemic and a time when so many ways of doing business were re-examined. You know, how might space planning change and what technologies might be involved in the future that maybe haven't been involved in the past? Uh, Those items were really front and center for us. Ventress Inc.'s work has also included consultation from Neil Goodlow, a planner with the Thomas Jefferson Criminal Justice Board. We had some very important conversations with him about recent trends in law enforcement and prosecution locally and what we were seeing in some of the numbers. Albemarle is within Virginia's 16th Judicial Court, which has six judges. Currently, at the circuit court level, Albemarle is handled by an equivalent of 1.4 judges, with Judge Cheryl Higgins being the only one serving full-time. Steve White is with Fentress Architects. He said the court design will also take into account the ability for business to be conducted remotely. There's a lot of um, things that actually COVID has um, accelerated. Things like video arraignments now are very, very common as a result, uh, which are actually safer environments. A reanalysis of cases under this new lens has caused Fentress to rethink how the new buildings will be laid out. One full judgeship uh, for, for that county caseload uh, appears that it will be sufficient both in the, 
the short term and at, at this juncture, e- even in the long term. Schlau said an analysis of Charlottesville's cases, in addition to Albemarle's, means changes to the Joint General District Court, which covers more routine infractions. Here is Steve White again, talking about the second floor of the district court building. And one key difference between this court set and what was done uh, three or four years ago was is that this each of these courtrooms is now 400 square feet larger per courtroom. And the reason for that is in discussions with um, the two judges um, that uh, the volume of traffic court is highly efficient if they can get as many people in the courtroom as possible. At the conclusion of the event, supervisors approved moving into the schematic design phase for the project. Last week, Albemarle County announced the creation of the Office of Broadband Accessibility and Affordability and the appointment of Michael Culp as its first director. Culp has been the county's information technology director and has been spending time in that position on recent initiatives to expand access to Internet in rural portions of the county. Under his tenure, the Board of Supervisors authorized creation of the Albemarle Broadband Authority that has been awarded about $3.5 million in grants and has helped put together several public-private partnerships. The authority, which goes by the acronym ABBA, meets next tonight at 5 p.m. And that is it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement for April 26th, 2021. I would like to take this time to wish a happy birthday to one of my friends from high school, Audrey Offlerbach, who is uh, having a birthday today. And she's not going to hear this, but you know it's her birthday anyway. Commemorate these things. I would like to also tell you all about the sponsorship. Ting is offering the company, Ting, not, not the sound effect, but the company, Ting, will match your subscription through Substack, uh, either at the $5 a level, the 50 a year level, or the 200 year level. Uh, Ting will match that in the name of supporting this brand of journalism that I seem to want to do every single day because I love doing this work and I love, uh, I really want to continue doing it. So uh, this is something that they are doing. And uh, but your support, though, in and of itself, also does continue me going each and every day as I try to connect all these pieces together and hopefully get you more involved with what's happening. I'm Sean Tubbs, your host. We'll be back tomorrow with another installment of Charlotte's community engagement. In the meantime, if you want to support me one other way, today released uh, happened uh, this morning. I put together the $10 a month special podcast that the Patreon listeners get. Uh, Here's a little sample to close us out today, but let's go ahead and say stay safe. Now, this is the kind of stuff that you will not hear. You will not read this in the written one, but you will get this information in the super-sized version of the Charlottesville Community Engagement Week Ahead! Anyway, the Fluvanna County Department of Social Services Advisory Board also meets at 3. And then the Albemarle Historic Preservation meets and $10 a month will get you that. I mean, it's, it might not be worth it, but I certainly could use the support. Thanks for listening.